You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, hello once again, and this is Pastor Marty and... Tommy D. It's good to be back together. Yes, indeed. For this podcast this week. Hey, I will say, though, last week, man, Jacob stepped in and hit a home run. I have not had a chance to listen to it yet. I will have to do that. He's so natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, hey, listen, we are... We're blessed with some young guys that got some That's natural abilities. Mm-hmm. And you know what else? They're smart. Yes. These guys are so smart. So, yeah, I was glad to, glad to have that uh, week off last week and had some really nice weather compared to what we've been enjoying right here around the K-Town. It's pretty nasty, the weather here. <laughs> it but, is. you know, you just you just were complimenting the young guys. Yeah. Um, and you said they are really smart Earlier this morning, Saul called me on my cell phone and said, I need you downstairs to lift something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we all have our roles. <laughs> Everybody's got their place. That is for sure. Oh. Yeah. So last week we continued our um, And He Shall Be Called series. And um, you did a great job, by the way, of talking about the wonderful counselor. Thank and you. a fantastic message. And then this past week, I tried to come in and do mighty God. And so uh, it's a good passage of scripture, that mm-hmm. Isaiah passage, just really rich in context. And um, I've got a lot to say about, I'm going to give you a little bit more context this week. Um, so if you're really into like nuggets of history and context, hey, this Sunday, I've got some stuff that I'm going to be laying out about Isaiah nine that I've been studying this week. Um, but this past week, you start, we started out with talking about the giving of hints about Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your curiosity when it came about or came time for Christmas. Were you the curious type or were you the kind that could just let the gifts lay there and Christmas morning you got excited? Oh, no. We, <laughs> man, we would. Um, I don't remember which one. I think. Is it Santa that doesn't wrap? Uh, yes. Okay. So, yeah. you know, my parents, the gifts would be in there. And yeah. This Santa it, does. Really? <laughs> no. Uh, um, I mean, like rapping, you know. Oh. I see. With Beatboxing, no rapping. Yeah. Is that what that was? That's what that was. Yeah. It <laughs> probably sounded a lot better on the other end of that. I the... didn't know if you were having a medical emergency. <laughs> um, but, you know, so my parents would wrap the gifts. Um, and my sister and I would sneak in there and we'd yeah. grab the the boxes and we'd shake them and wonder what it is. And um, if we ever guessed right, I could tell you could see my parents would be so <laughs> the irritated. Light went out of their yes. Face. Yep. So, yeah, I, there's so much anticipation around Christmas. Um, even now as an adult, you know, it shifts, but. I still look forward to it so much. And you were telling that story about <laughs> riding down the road with your brother and and just absolutely ruining it. So you went ahead and gave him his hunting knife yeah. early. You know, it reminded me. I started laughing. That's my my brother in law. He cannot wait until the day. So that's my sister's <laughs> husband. Yeah. I guarantee you she's already started getting Christmas presents. Really? Oh, when he proposed to her. You know, everybody makes a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, he just happened to have the engagement ring on him one night. Could not take it. They were having dinner at his parents' house. They were sitting in the living room watching like <laughs> the Will of Fortune. And he just gets down on me and asks her. And she's like, really? I did the same That's thing. That's you? Yes. Oh, no. I had the ring for Tracy. And I had gone to the dentist. And my mouth was numb. 
And we left the dentist office and I had the ring in my truck and we had gone to get some soft lunch and we went to a park and we're going to sit out there and eat it. You couldn't take it. I couldn't take it anymore. So I have a numb, numb lip and I proposed to her. What did it sound like? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's so funny. But that's me. And and my son, Lucas, he was just telling me a little bit ago at lunch that um, he already knows what he's getting for Christmas also. So they're like, his wife, Taryn, she can't keep a secret either. So there's a lot of fun around that. Mm -hmm. And 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 as I was studying this passage, I was thinking, that's what Jesus or God did for us with his son, Jesus. He, he starts giving us hints way mm -hmm. early. And so I, I guess a lot of us struggle with that. And uh, not that it's a bad thing, but I guess God kind of set the precedent that's for right. it. That's right. I think us, he you know? put it in us. Like that's that. right. Yeah. We, we're excited about giving things. But at least we don't have to wait 700 years for, <laughs> for Christmas. It's a long, yeah. Man. That was a long <clears throat> wait. So, yeah. So, talking about the baby being called Mighty God and uh, just the paradox of that. Mm -hmm. Here's this little infant child who would be known as the Mighty God and uh, just what that means for us. Well, you know, and, and you you said mighty God and you used uh, the original language El Gabor. Mm -hmm. And I like how it right like reemphasizes it. He's the mighty, mighty, the mighty, 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 one. mighty. Yeah. One. I think in the early service, I talked about mighty mouse. I don't think you I did, talked about yeah. that in the second one. Yep. And so uh, how this little tiny mouse flew around and had all this power. And uh, that's back in the day when cartoons didn't have a hidden agenda they didn't have a hidden agenda but <clears throat> mouse or mice still have that power yes they they'll do. make a, a grown man <laughs> jump on a kitchen table yes for sure yeah and so in the message this past week um you know just talking about some some examples of this this mighty one you know what what god using small singing seemingly insignificant things to bring about great things. Mm -hmm. And Tom, can I make a confession to you? Please. I messed up. Uh-oh. You're talking about with the example of Jesus feeding? Yes. Yeah, buddy. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a, I was using the NLT version. Oh, here we go. I was using go. the New Living here Translation. A jab at my favorite <laughs> translation. Yeah. So Tracy the, pointed out on the way home, and I did not until that moment realize I had made a mistake. You said, uh, <laughs> you said five loaves of bread and three fish. I, I was like, that's not the same story yeah, I remember uh, hearing about. But. It was five and two. I, and I don't know how I just did that. But, you know, sometimes you're thinking about other things. That's right. And <laughs> that just came out wrong. So uh, if I misled anyone on their theological foundation, I apologize for that. I think that there are definitely uh, greater mistakes we could make from stage <laughs> other than and adding have, the fish. Yeah, for, for sure, sure. I have. A doubt. Yeah. But, but I love that quote you said, though. It's just like God to do something great through something small. Yeah. And so you gave those examples of Jesus, but you gave an example from the Old Testament, then from the New Testament, then a challenge to us. And it, the example you gave from the Old Testament, the account of Gideon found in Judges 6, yeah. it's one of my favorite accounts in the Old Testament about yeah. God using something seemingly insignificant. Well, by his own admission, he, That's was, right. yeah. he was the worst. The worst family, 
and the worst from that family. <laughs> right. Yeah, I love it. You said he was the run of the litter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and 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 you know, there's God. Oftentimes, many many times, has done that throughout history, and I feel like even, you know, as we as we look at our own lives and. I don't know about you. and I, Well, I do know about you because we've had this conversation before. We feel an enormous amount of humility mm-hmm. thinking about the fact that God would use me. It's unbelievable. A little boy from Shudrant, Louisiana, grew up in the, in the backwoods of Shudrant. And, you know, uh, it's just, it's just humbling that, that he would choose to use people like us. That's right. You know, with all of our brokenness and with all of our flaws and certainly a lot of imperfections, but yet at the same time, he goes, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and use you. I think there has to be something about the fact that he wants to use people who have the ability to recognize it has nothing to do with them. Yeah. It's him through you. Yeah. I I mean, um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes I just I stand back in the back of the auditorium and I just sit there and think. I don't, I don't understand it, God, but thank you. Yeah. And I don't think we ever should get over the fact that God, God has chosen to make a way for our salvation, number one. But then, get, but then the next thing is, is that we are his plan That's right. for the gospel. He wants us to be part of that plan. That's what's mind boggling to me. Right. Like, why wouldn't you want to get on the field and be a part of that team? Yeah. Put me in the game, coach. It, it's put me in the game and then. But there's so many, so many Christians, and I think this is, it's admirable that, that we feel this way, but at the same time, there has to be a place where we draw the line. And that is that I hear people say that they won't get in the game because they feel so, um, inept. They feel like they're unworthy. Certainly we're all unworthy, Mm -hmm. but we can never let that be the excuse that we use to not get in. That's right. Because he does choose to use those who are insignificant, insignificant, those who are flawed. Right. I mean, come on, Paul. <laughs> right. I mean, he was he's, educated. He's, but he said he was the chief of chief among sinners. Right. Yeah. He was the chiefest of them all. Yep. But yet, I mean, highly educated guy, mm-hmm. but a persecutor of the church. Orchestrated the first martyr. Right. That's who he wants to use. And God looked down <laughs> and said... You know, I'm going to, I think I'm going to call Paul. And, and can you imagine what the host of heaven must have done? You, you want to use who? <laughs> wait, do you I'm realize just, what he just did? I don't think he, I think that came out wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't know. Wait, let's make sure we got the right guy. That's exactly right. And, uh, but, but that's who God chooses to use we, somebody like that. But you, okay. So <clears throat> they feel insignificant and are never willing to even get on the field. Well, again, you use Gideon. Well, when the angel approached Gideon, where was he? He was hiding. Oh yeah, in the wine press, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. And I always, when I read that, I just think to my, I, I try to think about the scenario and what he would have said. And and the angel says, "You're a mighty warrior, man of val- valor." And I could just imagine Gideon, who's hi- literally in a wine press, which is not where you would be sheathing wheat or mm-hmm. whatever, saying, "Mighty warrior." I'm a wimp in a wine press, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's good. So that's good. And I think that if you start to look at the disciples that he called, I mean, a seemingly unlikely person would have been Matthew, tax I mean, he, collector. Yeah, a tax collector that no one liked. No that's one right. liked this guy. I mean, 
how effective was he going to be with the gospel? No one liked him anyway. That's right. And you know what Jesus said? Just just yeah. bring those that do. Mm. Bring your friends over. Mm. Let's go to your house and let's have a party and and just come and see what yeah, it's the, all about. The religious leaders love that oh, that dinner. Man. And that's the thing. When, when God starts to really show up and, and start using people that we look at and say, I would never think they would be worthy of it or possible. The religious crowd does get upset about that. Yes, they do. Even to this day. Yes, they do. Even to this day. And normally they're the ones that are sitting in their throne of judgment and, you know, not being used in a positive way. They're being used by the enemy. That's right. To destroy what God wants to use. And, uh, you know, you and I have been in church for a long time and you see people who they'll come to Christ. They've got a shady background or, you know, just a rotten background. And it doesn't take long if they're in the church long enough that you're going to there's going to be people who what we would call the proverbial wet blanket gets mm-hmm. thrown on their faith. Just 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 wait long enough and they'll they'll burn out. It's like, yeah, because they're around people like you. Exactly. So instead of instead of flaming the so fanning the flame. fanning the flame, they're throwing wet blankets on. Yeah, them. that's that's horrible. Yeah, it is. And it's so, so true, though. But. You know, some of the things that if we would just surrender our lives to God Mm -hmm. and just say, God, I know where my flaws are. No one else knows, but you do and I do. And you know, more, you know, more so than I do. But my goodness, if we would just say, take what I have, take who I am and use me. Mm -hmm. What a difference we could make. It's so hard to get to that place, though. It is. I. It's so hard to get to that place, but man, it's when we are finally able to to get to that place and be completely vulnerable that his strength is shown. It shows up through our weaknesses, yeah. like Paul said. Um, I shared with you just a, such a great victory. Somebody reached out recently who finally got to the end of their rope, called up and said, I can't do it anymore, and struggled so long, years, finally got to the place where they said... I have a substance abuse problem and I need help. And since then, this person's been messaging me. They've got uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 in their office where they can see it. That old life is gone. A new Mm -hmm. life has begun. Uh, The verse that that, um, Steve Merritt's ministry is built on, um, that your identity is in Christ, that new creation, also has... Uh, First Corinthians ten thirteen when it talks about temptation. temptation yeah. Yet we are all tempted, but it's just a constant reminder for this person that my way out is not going to be in my own strength. I've yeah. already proven that I fell in that, but it's through him. Yeah. So I was listening to a podcast um, this week on my way home from vacation with Christian Stanfield. Many people mm-hmm. love Christian Stanfield's music and he has struggled with um, alcoholism for a number of years, apparently. And, recently he was two years sober. Well, that's awesome. And uh, he just released this new album. And uh, one of those titles of the songs is called Grace. Mm. And just how beautiful grace is. And and that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, Jesus saying to him, my grace is sufficient, sufficient for you. And no matter what our background is, you know, no matter what our history is, God's grace is sufficient for that. Mm-hmm. 
my grace toward you may not always be right what it needs to be. But God's grace toward me is perfect. It is. Yep. It is sufficient for everything we've ever done. And so God is just basically saying, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit more as we talk about everlasting father this coming Sunday. But but just if we would if we could just surrender our lives to him, we could overcome our greatest weaknesses through his strength made perfect in our weaknesses. And there's moments in my life and there's moments in your life and anybody who's been a follower of Jesus who surrenders their life on any level, you can step back and you can just be amazed at things that you're able to do. And you know, it's not under your own strength. That's right. It's under the power of, it's under the power of God, his strength being made perfect in our weaknesses, Christ living through us. Well, and that's the thing, kind of a challenge to people is I, I truly believe that anybody who has taken a step of faith and been willing to be used by God could share that same story where they can look back and say, well, that didn't have anything to do with me. That yeah. was God through me. And if you're unwilling to take that step of faith, man, that is, that's a powerful thing that you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. And, so. and, and Paul even says, I'm going to boast more gladly in my weaknesses. Right. I'm not going to try to hide them. Right. I'm going to say, Hey, here's my weakness. And the only reason I'm able to even get over this or get through this or, or, or be used in spite of this is because of his power resting upon me. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that regularly. Sometimes I think that the more you live in that power, sometimes you can take it for granted, but and I'll tell you, not long after I became the, the senior pastor here at Charity, I was with my dad, and um, and he said something about me pastoring, you know, Charity, and I just started crying. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just amazed that God would choose me, yeah. that God would allow me this opportunity to pastor this church and to lead this staff. And, and it's, it's so humbling because I know where my weaknesses are mm-hmm. and my dad knows where my weaknesses sure. are. Um, but Paul, you know, he, he just, he boasted in his weaknesses because that's when the power of Christ could rest upon him. And, and God, if, if we're self-aware enough to, to be honest about where our weaknesses are, a lot of times God will open up doors for those to be ministry opportunities. Oh yeah, I mean, for us to come along somebody that has the same weakness um, that we can empathize with them whereas somebody else doesn't have the ability to. Mm-hmm. And my weaknesses are different than your weaknesses and, and vice versa. So it's, again, that that one body with many parts, there are many weaknesses, and God's going to use all of us in different ways to accomplish his will. And he does. He does, yeah. which really takes us to the the Great Commission that he mm-hmm. talks about. You know, he and, and, I, and I, I never want to get over the Great Commission for, for our lives where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And now he's saying, now you go, therefore, go and make disciples mm-hmm. through the power of Christ living in us. It all comes back to his authority, his power, not my power and not my authority. It's his power, his authority, sending us out to make disciples. That's an overwhelming task, Tom. It is an overwhelming task, but it should also be a daily task. It's not a Sunday morning task. It's a Day by day by day. But I, I, when you said, when you read that verse, Matthew 28, at all authority, 
or mm. that's Acts, right? Or no, no that's, 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 the, that's the Great that's Commission, Matthew, Matthew 28. Yeah. Um, I thought, man, he really is the mighty, mighty one. Mm. He doesn't say some authority or the majority authority. All authority. All. Well, it doesn't get any more than that. That's no. pretty mighty. All includes all. And if, But if that's the one empowering us as we do what he's commanded us to do, yeah, that's that's pretty reassuring. Well, just the fact of him telling us make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. Okay, that's that's pretty. That's a pretty da- uh, heavy heavy mm-hmm. task to take on. But the thing is, is the last part of that he gives a command, and when he says, "And behold," mm-hmm. in the Old King James, it's low L O. That's a command, and what he's saying is. Anytime that you feel like you can disobey this, mm. I want you to behold. I want you to remember. I want you to think about, I am with you always. Don't forget that. It's a great promise. It's that power being made perfect in our weaknesses. And Paul, a recipient of that great commission and one who lived that great commission out, understood the weight of that task. And so he was saying, you know, if you tie those two passages together where Paul is saying, hey, there's a task of making disciples or a task of teaching and baptizing, and I can't do that. I'm weak in that area. But Jesus said, I am with you always and go and do that. And mm-hmm. Paul was the greatest that ever did it, I, was, I would say. Absolutely. You know, he, he was fantastic at it. One of my favorite stories real quick about <clears throat> about that. One time Billy Graham tells a story. He's having one of his crusades and a little Asian girl was in the crowd and her name was Lo. And so when he said that, when he read the verse, the Great Commission, she thought that he was speaking directly with her. Uh-huh. And he said, you know what? I thought about it, and I might as well have been speaking directly with her. So yes, it's low. Behold, that's his command to us. But if you do it in the context that she misunderstood it, you could say, and Marty and Tommy, I am with you always. Yeah. Man, what a great promise that is. And don't ever forget it. Mm-hmm. Don't ever forget it. Put a reminder up there, you know? And so, um, yeah, so it's just so neat that Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ, is laying these things out for us. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, this week, the everlasting Father. And so, hope you'll be here to join us this coming Sunday as we continue this series. And he shall be called. It's been fun. Thanks for listening.